chapter 2 and verse 13. And uh, if the Lord would help us for a little while today, just like to teach to you for a little while. I know it's going to be slow, it's going to be methodical, it's going to be line upon line and precept on precept. But uh, uh, we're living in a day where any, everything that is believed in the apostolic church is under attack. Every major doctrine that we hold is under attack. And the only way I know to counterbalance that is just teach what the Bible says. You know, I, I, I challenge you pastors, to, if, if you tape your services, to go back and look at the tapes and messages that you have preached for the last year. And you may be astounded how many of them are, are trying to convince folks they got a good deal or trying to encourage folks and all that's needed. And uh, maybe just a small segment of that, if we're not careful, will really be doctrine. Because something about teaching doctrine can put folks to sleep. And you don't get the response you do as pushing, you know, uh, hot buttons of issues or trying to encourage folks. But brother, when, when push comes to shove, the doctrine is what's going to keep you and save you. Now you can go to Benny Hinn's meeting and he'll blow on you to fall down, I guess. Hallelujah. If you'll cooperate. Amen. So there's all kind of emotions going to different places. But this has got to be more than emotion. Well, praise the Lord. But as the song said, the good old Bible's right. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Titus chapter 2 and verse 13. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me, eternal God? Father, without you I can do nothing. Touch my lips and my mind and my soul and the ears of the hearer, Lord. Help me to be a blessing to someone in this congregation. Oh, God, touch us, Lord. We love your word, Lord. Thy word is forever settled in heaven. Sanctify us through thy truth. Thy word is truth. We are washed and cleansed and sanctified by the washing of the water by the word. Oh, instill thy word in our heart. God, that somehow that our hope will not become diminished or dimmed. Oh, but our, our eyes and our mind and our heart will ever be on you, God. Touch us, God. Help us, Lord, to be ready at your coming. In Jesus' name, I praise you for it, Lord. Amen, amen. You may be seated. I want to talk to you for a little while today in defense of the blessed hope. In defense of the blessed hope or why I believe in the literal return of Christ. In defense of the blessed hope, or why I believe in the literal return of Christ. Now let me define that for you. I mean, you know, <laughs> I won't bother the rest of them fellas, but I can't see. Amen. They'll think it's a voice coming out of a bush. I am that I am. I said, <laughs> And the bush was not consumed. We just had some fire, you know. <laughs> but maybe, maybe I need to define literal. When I say literal, I mean that which is opposed to symbolic or figuratively. I mean literal in the sense that a real being is going to come on a real cloud. And there's going to be a real catching away of the church. By that, you know, Hebrews 6 and 2 lets us know, therefore leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, 
Let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, faith towards God of the doctrine of baptisms, the laying on of hands of the resurrection of the dead, and the eternal judgment. So in the very principles of the doctrine of Christ is found the resurrection of the dead and the eternal judgment. So that's why this subject is so important uh, because, uh, you know, if our hope can get took away, if we can get sidetracked from our hope that we're not really looking for what our forefathers were looking for, then uh, you and I are going to be in big trouble. And by this, I'm going to be defending the future literal coming, future resurrection of the dead, and the future judgment. Uh, you know, I'm sure sitting in this house today with this many preachers, you know, the, in the main scope of eschatology, there is uh, your pre and your mid and your post. And we probably got all three of those here. And so I'm not really going to go into that. But in the pre, mid, and post, there is one, there is one main thing that all believe that Jesus is coming back. And the only difference between the, the three is the timing of when he's coming back. When I'm pre-trib and all the rest of y'all wrong. You understand that, don't you? <laughs> but I, I'm just teasing how to get it around. Praise the Lord. But I do believe the Lord's coming back. I believe he's coming back. And if I could for just a, for just a little while, I'm going to take a little time. And uh, I'm going to give you a lot of information. And I, I hope that you'll be patient with me. I'm not going to try to kill this all together. At least I hope not. Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Jesus is just coming out of the temple. And he makes... A, a, a remark a statement of fact and he has just indicted them in the 23rd chapter of the book of Matthew uh, the religious leaders of that day and he comes out in chapter 24 and Jesus went out and departed from the temple and the disciples came unto him for to show him the buildings of the temple Jesus said unto them see not all these things the temple the buildings of the temple Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Verse 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, his disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us when these things shall be. What, what things? When the temple is going to be destroyed. That's very obvious. That's the question that they're asking him. But that's not the only question that they're asking him. And then it says, what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? So Jesus, in this discourse that's found in the 24th chapter of Matthew and the 13th chapter of Mark and the 21st chapter of Luke, Jesus is answering all three of those questions. The first question, when shall be, this, when, when shall be that there won't be a stone left upon another? And then what's going to be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world. Now the verses that are generally under question is in verse 27. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Verse 30. Then, then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then all the tribes of the earth shall mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven. With power and great glory. Verse 37. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Verse 39. And they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Then here's the other passages that are under consideration. Matthew 25 and 31. When the, when the Son of Man shall come in His glory and all of His holy angels with Him, then He shall sit upon the throne of His glory. Mark 13 and verse 26 says, And ye, and then they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with power and great glory. Luke 21 and 27. Then they shall see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. 
uh, Revelation 1 and 7, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. Now, here, here is a question. Are we to interpret this literally, that he's coming literally in a literal cloud? Or is this symbolic or a metaphor or figuratively that it's really not, it means something else. And some folks teach that, uh, that uh, with various things. Some folks teach Jesus coming in the cloud meant when Titus come in to, to destroy Jerusalem. And those clouds was the dust that was coming off those horses' hoofs and those chariots. Well, I don't know, praise the Lord, but uh, that's a vivid imagination. That's all I got to say. And other folks say clouds is people and clouds is this and clouds is that. But uh, uh, I think the best way to know how to interpret this prophecy is to know how Old Testament prophecy was interpreted in the first coming of Christ when he come to be Redeemer. And I'm going to go through this pretty quickly. And uh, like I said, you know, you're going to have to gird up the loins of your mind. You ain't, this ain't going to make you jump, probably. But uh, 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 I, I'm, I'm going to take my time for a little while here. So I hope that I hope, hope you all have the patience to stay with me. Genesis 3.15 prophesied about the seed of the woman. Galatians 4 and 4 said it was fulfilled. I, I've got a question to ask you. Was the seed of the woman fulfilled literally or figuratively? Literally, okay, good. Y'all want to help me a little bit? That's right. Genesis 24, 17, that was fulfilled in Matthew 1 and 2. It said, Christ was the star of Jacob's literal, or of Jacob's lineage. Was Jesus literally of the lineage of Jacob? Or was he figuratively of the lineage of Jacob? Literal, well, good. Isaiah 7 and 14 said, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son. That was fulfilled in Matthew 1 and 21. Was that fulfilled literally or figuratively? Jeremiah 31 and 15 fulfilled in Matthew 2, 16 through 18. Did Herod literally destroy the children or were they symbolically destroyed? Hosea 11 and 1 Amen. Fulfilled in Matthew 2, 14 and 15. Did Joseph literally bring Jesus back out of Egypt or was it fulfilled figuratively? Isaiah 53 and 4 fulfilled in John 1, 11. Was Jesus literally or symbolically rejected by his own people? Isaiah 53 and 5 that was fulfilled in John 19 and 1. Were the stripes literally placed on Jesus' body or were they figuratively placed on Jesus' body? Zechariah 9 and 9 that was fulfilled in Matthew 21, 1 through 5. Did Jesus literally ride on the foal of an ass into Jerusalem or did he ride on a symbolic foal of an ass coming into Jerusalem? And in Zechariah 11 and 12, fulfilled in Matthew 26, 14 through 15, was Jesus literally sold for 30 pieces of silver, or did it happen figuratively? Psalm 50, 50, uh, uh, 41 and 9, fulfilled in Luke 22 and 47 and 48, did a literal friend or a symbolic friend betray him? Isaiah 53 and 5, amen, fulfilled in Mark 15, 4 and 5. Did Jesus literally, literally not open his mouth or did he just figuratively not open his mouth? Isaiah 53 and 12, fulfilled in Mark 15, 27 through 28. Was Jesus literally crucified with the transgressors or was that fulfilled figuratively? Isaiah 50 and 6 fulfilled in Matthew 26 and 67. Did they literally spit in Jesus' face or was that fulfilled figuratively? 
Matthew, uh, excuse me, Psalm 22 and verse 17, fulfilled in Matthew 27 and 35 and 36. Did they literally gamble for Jesus' garments or was it fulfilled figuratively? Psalm 37, excuse me, Psalm 34 and 20, fulfilled in John 19, 32 and 36. Was Jesus' legs not literally broken or were they not figuratively broken? Isaiah 53 and 9, Matthew 27, 57 and 60. Was Jesus literally buried with the rich or was he figuratively buried with the rich? Psalm 16 and verse 10, Psalms 49 and 15, fulfilled in Matthew and uh, Mark 16 and 6. Did Jesus literally raise from the dead or did he raise figuratively? Now, my answer is this. If all these prophecies concerning the first coming of Christ, every one of them were fulfilled literally and not figuratively or symbolically, who gave anybody the authority to change the mode and the method and the means of interpretation? Now, Jesus literally interpreted these prophecies by fulfilling them, not explaining them. Could you imagine if the same mindset today existed in those days, what woman that would have been that would have conceived? I mean, could you imagine the message folks would have got out of that? They'd have had that woman meaning and being anything. But it was a real woman. And it was a real baby. And while we're at it, it was real flesh. It was real human flesh. It wasn't divine flesh. Divine, they, they can't be no such thing as divine flesh. But if it was divine flesh, it couldn't die. You can't kill God. If you can kill God, we'd be in trouble. You hearing me? But it was both human and divine, natural and supernatural. Amen. Eternal and he was eternal and time. He was mortal and immortal, visible and visible, father and son, spirit and flesh, God and man. All man and all God. Woo! That ain't the subject. Sit down. Praise the Lord. <laughs> now, there are somewhere around 318. 318? 318 references directly or indirectly about the coming of the Lord in the New Testament. 318? And what would there be? I didn't. I should have counted them up before I come over here. Well, what would there be? Maybe 25, 30 at the max references to water baptism in the New Testament. Now, if you can, if you can symbolize 318 passages, who can say that those 50 passages won't be under consideration down the road? First Corinthians chapter 15. Now I'm not trying to fight with nobody. I'm not trying to pune nobody. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to be ugly or nasty or or smart aleck. I'm not smart or an aleck. Either one. Amen. Uh, amen. I was born and raised in Morton's Gap, Kentucky. Would you believe there ain't no university at Morton's Gap, Kentucky? <laughs> amen. So I didn't graduate from Morton's Gap uh, Collegial College. I can promise you. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. Top of our class would, would, wouldn't have been very great. Praise the Lord. And I wasn't at the top of the class. 1 Corinthians 15 and 23. I think really holds a crucial key to understanding this, at least in my way of thinking. 
But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits. And they that are Christ at his coming. Verse 20. Now Christ has risen from the dead and has become the firstfruits of them that slept. Now here is the, you know, now, I, now I'm not a big farmer. Me and Brother Jackson's really been astonished coming through here, seeing all those big grain elevators and all that. That's, that, that is very astonishing to us. This is such, such a beautiful country out here. I'm not a farmer. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a, I, I, I'm, well, I'm just not a farmer. You know what I mean? I was raised in the country, but I'm not a farmer. And I don't know a lot about farming. I ain't, I ain't had any lessons in, uh, what do they call it? Somebody help me here. It's got to do with horticulture. Hey, there you are. Praise the Lord. He's got a professor or farmer right here. I don't know anything about a hoarder, horticulture. <laughs> I don't, know, I don't, know how to, don't even know how to say it, hardly. But I can tell you this, I ain't had no lesson. I, I ain't been to Purdue or Yale or Harvard, but I can tell you one thing. If the first fruit you pick off a tree is going to be an apple, the rest of them ain't going to be pears. We even knew that in Morton's Gap. And if you picked a tomato off of a vine, there ain't going to be no lemons on that vine. Are you hearing me? So I want to look at this first fruit that come out of, that was resurrected. And if, I, and if I get a picture of the first fruit, then I'll know what the rest of the crop's going to be. You can't change crop in the middle. I mean, they'd have you furthermore teaching at Yale if you could do that. Amen. If you can make a pear out of a tomato. Amen. Glory to God. Uh, but uh, Jesus resurrected bodily. It was a bodily resurrection. Matthew 28 and 9, they held him by his feet. Feet come out of the grave. Luke 22 and 39, Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I. Handle me and see, for his spirit had not flesh and bones, as you see me have. And when he had showed, uh, when he had spoken thus, he showed them his hands and his feet. John 20 and 19, Jesus came and stood in the midst. 27, reach hither thy finger and behold my hand and thrust it into my side. 21 and 14, this is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he had risen from the dead. Verse 19, John leaned on his breast. Amen. Acts 1 and 3, to whom he showed himself alive after his passions. Acts 10 and 40, whom God raised up from the dead the third day and showed him openly, not unto all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even unto us that did eat and drink with him after he arose from the dead. Yeah, well, praise the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 4 through 8, he was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures and was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. And after that was seen above five hundred brethren. Also he was seen of James, then all the apostles, and last he was seen of me. Jesus told that he was going to raise from the dead. Amen. Matthew 28 and verse 6 through 7. Matthew 16 and 21. Matthew 17 and 9. Matthew 17 and 23. Matthew 27 and 23. Mark 9 and 31. Mark 10, 34. Luke 9.22, just a few scriptures. Jesus said he would raise from the dead the third day. This was preached by the apostles. Acts 2 and 24, Acts 3 and 15, Acts 3 and 26, Acts 4 and 10, Acts 5 and 30, Acts 10 and 40, Acts 13 and 30, Acts 13 and 33, Acts 13 and 34, Acts, Acts 17 31, Romans 10 and 9, 1 Corinthians 6 and 14, 2 Corinthians 4 and 14, Galatians 1 and 1, Ephesians 1 and 20. I know you can't write all this down, but I'm telling you, I'm not pulling one scripture out of hat. The apostles preached Jesus was going to rise from the dead the third day. That was the, the resurrection was the message of the apostles. 
So here's the clincher. What's going to rise from the dead? Found in, uh, oh, there's a good old one God scripture found in John chapter 2 and verse 19. Jesus said, answered and said unto them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, forty and six years was this temple in building. Will thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. Amen. He promised a bodily resurrection. 10, amen, chapter 10. Hope I'm not going too fast. But if I don't go fast, we're going to be in trouble. Amen. Roast will burn in the oven if you had one in there. Amen. John 10 and 19. No man taketh my life from me. I, I lay it down and I have power. And I have power to take it again. Jesus promised a literal bodily resurrection. Now, if Jesus promised a literal bodily resurrection and he is the first fruits, then uh, the rest of the crop's going to be the same. The rest of the crop's going to be the same. Amen, amen. Now, since Jesus is the first fruit, somebody may ask a question, why, man, there's all kind of folks raised from the dead. There's raised from the dead in the Old Testament. I'm not going through that. And said, well, what does that mean then if he's the first fruit since he wasn't the first to raise from the dead? That's, that, that is very easy. Found in 13th chapter of the book of Acts in verse 30. And said, and God raised him from the dead. God raised him from the dead. Verse 34. Concerning that he raised him up from the dead. Now no more to return to corruption. He was raised an immortal body. Well, praise the Lord. He went down mortal and was raised immortal. He went down flesh and was raised with, a, with, a, with an eternal body. That could never die. Never, 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 never die again. Now, now I know I went a lot through this, and there's really a, a there's really a, a means to this madness, and because uh, I'm I'm setting up a premise here. In Mark 16 and 19, it says, "So then, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven." Now, what was received up into heaven? This is class. His body was received up into heaven. Luke 24 and 50. He led them out as far as Bethany. Lifted up his hands. He still had hands. And blessed them. And it came to pass. While he blessed them. He parted from them. And was carried up into heaven. What was carried up into heaven? His body. Well that's good. Now, now I do want you to turn in your Bible to Acts 1. Acts 1. Acts 1. Well, can you say praise the Lord? Praise the Lord. Turn around and tell somebody, it ain't going to be as long as it was. Hallelujah. <laughs> Acts 1 and 11. Excuse me, 1 and 9. And when he had spoken these things, they be, while they beheld, he was taken up in a cloud received him out of their sight. A literal body was taken up into a literal cloud. Now, I didn't look up the Greek word for cloud. But I don't know when the first time I learned what a cloud was. But I had to be an awful young because I don't remember. But evidently one day mama said, son, that's a cloud. You know, you don't have to be real profound to understand that. You really don't need to do a lot of praying to have a big revelation to know what a cloud is. That kind of scared me if somebody was teaching me and they didn't even know what a cloud was. You know what I mean? Hallelujah. Amen. But he was carried. Let, let, let's, can we read that together? And while they, hey, and after he had spoken these things, let's read. While they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud, everybody say cloud, received him out of their sight. What received him out of their sight? What received him out of their sight? What received him out of their sight? 
Well, in Matthew 24, it said he was coming in a cloud. Now look here in verse 10. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up. Now, I don't know what the Greek word for up is, but it'd be the opposite from down. <laughs> you know. Hallelujah. <laughs> Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand you here gazing up into the heaven? Now, the reason they is looking into the heaven, because he has just took from them up into the heaven in a cloud. Now, they weren't looking at, toward Rome. Rome ain't in heaven. No Pope Benedict may think Rome is heaven, and that's as far as he's ever going to get. But Rome ain't heaven. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. Is that the same Jesus? What if it's the same Jesus? And he went away, and he had hands, and he had feet, and he had a side, and he had a head. And he went away into a cloud. Then it can't be nothing else. It can't be a symbol. It can't be a figure. It can't be a metaphor. It can't be an allegory. It can't be an image. If it is the same Jesus. No allegory went to heaven. No symbol went to heaven. No metaphor went to heaven. No Bible imagery went to heaven. It was a body. It was a, it was a body that went to heaven. A literal body that went to heaven. In a literal cloud. I got to be careful here. No, I got to be careful here. I, no, 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 no. I know I got to be careful here. Uh, I kind of feel the hooper, amen. And I ain't supposed to be hooping, I'm supposed to be teaching. Whoop! But the hooper just, hey, the hooper just passed by here a while ago, glory to God. You get talking about Jesus and Jesus coming back. It won't be long until the hooper shows up. Hey, glory to God, amen, amen. Slow down, slow down. Hope I'm somehow. No, 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 no. I got places to go. I got places to go. I get hooping. We'll all be in trouble. Amen. Everybody say this same Jesus. Same Jesus. Same Jesus. Same Jesus. Same Jesus. The resurrected Jesus. The one that said, Thomas, here's my hands and my feet. The same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. No, 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 no. Let me read that again. Shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. Knox wrote it like this. We'll come back in the same fashion. The New American Standard Bible says this. We'll come in just the same way as you watched him go away. He went away in a body, in a cloud, from the Mount Olives. I got news for you. He's coming back in a body. It was the same Jesus. And he's coming back the same way. Turn around and look at your companion right now, whoever's sitting there by you. <laughs> Wish I could see that fella I picked on over. Up, up. <laughs> yeah, right here. Yeah, come on, brother. Come on up right here. Lord, I picked on him at Junction City. And he still he stays saved through it. Amen. Come on, brother, up here. Just, just one second. 
Glory to God. Is there a way to get behind these curtains and get back? Do you know? Is it? Huh? Okay. Uh, how you doing? You doing all right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You ain't doing that no meal today, did you? You ain't breakfast yet. That's what I thought. Praise God. <laughs> you go behind that curtain there. I want you to go behind that curtain there. Just, 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 just right now. See that fella? What's your name again? Brother Bailey? Well, God bless you, Brother Bailey. Big Bailey. Hallelujah. Man, them all you can eat places to see him coming. They say we're closed. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Glory. But that same Bailey, oh, big Bailey, that you seen go away, he's going to come back. Come on, Brother Bailey. What happened to Brother Bailey? <laughs> He found a sandwich back there or something. <laughs> glory to God. Hey, glory to God. <laughs> now, Bailey went behind the curtain, and Bailey came back the same way he went behind. He went back there, Big Bailey, and he came back, Big Bailey. This is the same Big Bailey that went behind the curtain and he came back just like he went away. <laughs> Surely you can understand this. Hey, well, just like Big Bailey went behind the curtain and came back, this same Jesus that you've seen go away in a cloud is gonna come back in the same manner. Thank you, Brother Bailey. God bless you. God bless you. Hallelujah. He went to heaven in a literal body in a literal cloud from the Mount of Olives. And he's coming back. Scripture I said, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing. We having fun or what? Hallelujah. You don't have to go to to have fun. Hallelujah. I have fun in church. <laughs> Woo! Amen. Talk about looking for his glory. The word appearing, word appear means to come into sight, to be made visible, to show oneself openly. Let me give you some places where the word appearing is used. Colossians 3 and 4, when Christ who is our life shall appear, then you shall also appear with him in glory. First Timothy 6 and 14. Thou shalt keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, unto the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Second Timothy 4 and 1. I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and kingdom. At verse 8. Henceforth there is laid up a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give at that day. It's a point in time, mind you. Not when you die. It's a point in time. Not to be only, but to all them that love his appearing. Hebrews 9, 28. But unto them that look for him, shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. First Peter 1 and 7 might be found in him praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. 5 and 4. When the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. First John 2 and 28. Now little children abide in him that when he shall appear we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. First John 3 and 2 Beloved it did not yet now are we the sons of God and it did not yet appear what we shall be but we know when he shall appear we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is and appearing is promised he's promised to appear Now, it'd be a, a, a pretty vivid imagination to uh, turn this appearing into Titus and his thugs at 70 A.D. Titus ain't Jesus, and Jesus ain't Titus. And he didn't come in a cloud. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. But there's something that, that in, in 
that I read in, in Matthew 24. And I'm moving along. I I'm, I'm promise you, I'm moving along. In Matthew 24, the verses that I gave you, 3, 27, uh, 37, 30, and 39, that's talking about his coming. Is this word literally or is it symbolically? And the word, the Greek word there, and I can't read Greek. If, I, if I, there wasn't for a Strong's number system, I, I couldn't even start. I just barely, I, I, only, I only speak two languages. I am fluent in Kentuckian and speak a little bit in English. Amen. And I did know a Greek that ran a restaurant once, but I, I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm no Greek scholar. But I did look this up by using Strong's uh, number system. And the word perusia is a word that is used for coming in the Greek. When you see the word coming, the majority of the times it's the word perusia. And the word perusia means presence, advent, coming, or appearing. In a, in a physical or bodily sense. And this is the word the apostles use for the coming of the Lord. Let, let, let me read you some of them. 1 Corinthians 15, 23, they that are Christ at his coming or perusia. For 1 Thessalonians 2, 19, are they not in the presence or the perusia of the Lord Jesus Christ at his coming or perusia? Amen. 3 and 13, to the end that he may establish your hearts in unblameable holiness at the coming or the perusia of the Lord Jesus Christ. 4 and 15, they which are alive and remain unto the coming or the perusia of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. 5 and 21, be preserved unto the coming or the perusia of the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Thessalonians 2 and 1, by the coming or the perusia of the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 and 8, shall destroy, shall destroy with the brightness of his coming or his perusia. James 5 and 7, be patient therefore, brethren, unto the coming or the perusia of the Lord. 5 and 8, establish your heart for the perusia or the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Second Peter 1 and, uh, 1 and 16, talking about the power and the coming or the perusia of the Lord Jesus Christ. 3 and 4, where is the promise of his coming or his perusia? 3 and 12, looking for and hastening unto the day of God uh, and unto the coming or the perusia of the day of God. First John 2 and 28, uh, and not be ashamed before him at his perusia. Or his coming. Now, to understand this and how this is used, whether this could be used figuratively or symbolically, then you have to go into the Bible, which is very easy to see how it was used in everyday language when it wasn't necessarily talking about spiritual things. And you can kind of understand this. First uh, Corinthians 6 and 17, it was talking about the coming of Stephanus. And Fontanus and Archapus, we didn't have none of those folks named that in Morton's Gap. Amen. But anyhow, he used the word for them coming to Corinth was the word perusia. Whether these fellas go to Corinth symbolically or do they literally bodily go to Corinth. Second Corinthians 7, 6 and 7, it talked about the coming or the perusia of Titus. Titus did not symbolically or figuratively go to Corinth. He went there in a bodily form. 2 Corinthians 10 and 10, Paul talked about his bodily presence or perusia was weak. He wasn't talking about some spiritual principle. He was talking about his body was uh, uh, weak. Uh, the appearance of it was weak. Uh, Philippians 1 and 26, Paul talked about his coming to Philippi or his peru his perusia to Philippi. Well, he wasn't going to Philippi figuratively or symbolically. He was going there literally. Uh, Philippians 2 and 12, in my, he talked about them being obedient in his absence, like in his presence or his perusia. Well, he wasn't talking about some, some symbolic presence but his literal presence I wrote this down in every instance the word is used is in a context of a bodily presence are appearing and not one time not one time in your New Testament is it ever used symbolically or figuratively not once 
up. Well, it ain't there. It ain't there. Not once does it use that way. Well, can you say praise the Lord? I was talking to a, to a couple men that was teaching this. And, and, and this is the dangerous thing that uh, uh, they believe that after Jesus' body went into heaven, that it decomposed in the gases or something. There is no body today. Now, now, with my limited knowledge of the Godhead, if you're teaching that there's no body today, you're not, you're not apostolic. Now, you may be a Jewish monotheist that had a concept of God before the incarnation, but you're not apostolic because the whole message of apostolic, God was in the flesh. Let, let, me, let me just read you a couple, three verses here. There's lots of them, but I'm just going to read you three. Colossians 1 and 15 talking about the, the body who is the image of the invisible God. This is some 40 years after the resurrection. 2 Corinthians 4 and 4. Who is the image of the invisible God? Only fellow I know that really didn't know the definition what is is was Bill Clinton. <laughs> and even us folks in Morton's Gap knows what is is. Now, if you don't know what is is, you know you may go to heaven on the baby ticket. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, can you say praise the Lord? Uh, not really. Hallelujah. Amen. But then in Colossians 2 and 9, for in him dwelleth. Anybody know what ETH is? If, if you got ETH on believing, it's believeth. That means you're keeping on believing. If you're sleepeth, you're still sleeping. If you drinketh, you're still drinking. If you eateth, you're still eating. And if you dwelleth, that means you still got a body. That's 40 years after the resurrection. Now the, now the doctrine of the resurrection is an Old Testament doctrine. Job 14 and 7 through 9. Job 19, 25 20 through 27. Isaiah 26 and 19. Daniel 12, 2 and 3. Hosea 13, verse 14. Psalm 17 and 15. Was the hope, was the hope of the Old Testament saints was the resurrection. Jesus taught the resurrection. John 5, 25 through 29. Luke 10, 27 through 38, plus many other passages. Jesus taught the resurrection of the dead. Paul claimed to be a Pharisee concerning the resurrection. Matthew 23 and 6. Uh, excuse me, that's Acts 23 and 6 and, and Acts 24 and 15. was promised the resurrection. But you know, to have a resurrection, you got to die. That's an Old Testament doctrine. Old Job said, oh, though the skin worms eat this flesh. Said, you know, something told me there ain't no, there ain't no Bible been written. And they ain't got Moses I can look to. But something down there, I was out there looking. And they cut a tree down. And after, after the rain came, there was something shot up. <laughs> Woo, glory to God. That tells me if a man die, he is going to live again. And said, my Redeemer is going to live and going to stand on the earth in the last day. And when he does, and I'm going to see him for myself. He said, oh, my appointed time, I'm going to wait till my change comes. It was a promise. David said, I shall be satisfied. When I wake in his likeness. So it was an Old Testament promise. They believed in the resurrection of the dead. But, but Paul, will you help me there, Brother Alviar? And, and, and 1 Corinthians 15 and 51. And maybe, Brother, uh, one of you, Brother, to help me in 1 Thessalonians 4. Uh, about verse 16. Glory to God. So Jesus, the Old Testament saints, was looking for the resurrection of the dead. I'd say some, but I probably ought not say it. 
Could you stand a little epley two and two? If you don't believe it, it don't matter. It's just, it's just mine. This was one of my. You just put it from the mind of a raven Kentucky maniac. Hallelujah. But uh, you ever notice, you know, in the Old Testament, when them patriarchs was dying, they said, uh, you know, they, they, they was a big deal on where you was buried at. If you go back there, you'll read all of the bargains that was made about Abraham where he buried Sarah and where he was buried and where Isaac was buried and where Rebecca was buried and where Rachel was buried and they hauled Jacob off to Egypt. But he said, you know, when, 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 when I die, don't you bury me here. You, 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 you take me back home and bury me. And 400 years passed by and Joseph said, God's not always going to leave you folks down there in Egypt. And one of these days, he's going to bring you back out. And when he does, you cart my body out with you. I won't be buried. I won't be buried back there. Well, praise the Lord. All right. I read a prophecy that said in Isaiah 26 and 19, said, Thy dead men shall live yes. and together with my dead body well. they shall awake something told them something's going to happen mm-hmm. well glory to God something's going to happen yes, yes. back in that little piece of ground that's not going to happen everywhere at that time and the Bible said that after Jesus resurrection Matthew 27 and 52 many of the bodies that slipped got up out of their graves and went into the city. Something inside them told them, you got to get back to Jerusalem. There ain't going to be no resurrection down here in Egypt. You got to get back where the righteous are going to be raised. All right. Now you don't have to believe that. That's that's simply two and two. I just, I just, I just. But in these promises, the Old Testament promises. What Jesus promised about the resurrection. You had to die. If you was going to get changed, you had to go to the graveyard and die. You had to die. Mm-hmm. Had to die. Had to go to the graveyard and die. But Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 15 and 51. What does he say? Behold, I show you a mystery. Behold, I show you a mystery. <laughs> we shall not Woo! all hey, hey. Behold, I show. I, Paul said, I, I've been to third heaven, and I came back, and I got a revelation, and I got an understanding. Everybody's not going to have to go to the graveyard to get changed. We shall not all sleep. And we shall not all sleep. But we Everybody's shall... not going to the graveyard. Everybody's not going to be put in a casket. Everybody's not going to have a tombstone placed. I'm going to show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. But we shall all We shall not all sleep. But we shall all be changed in a moment, in, a moment, in the in twinkling a point of an in eye, time, in the in last a moment, trump. in the twinkling of an eye, at the, last at the sound of the last trump. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And you don't have to go to the graveyard to get your change. All right. Hallelujah. We shall all be changed. Yes. This mortal shall put on immortality. Yes. This corruption shall put on it. Woo! Glory yes, to God. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm winding down. Where, where are you at? First Thessalonians 4. Is it verse 16? For the Lord Himself. Is that it? For the Lord Himself. Huh? Who's got that? The Lord himself. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Listen to me, saints. Listen to me. You mean so much to him. 
He ain't sending Gabriel. He ain't sending Michael. All right. When he gets ready to come get you, after all, you're his wife. And he ain't even trusting the best man. When he gets ready to get, he's coming after you himself. Woo! Yes! He ain't sending Eliezer to get you on the camel. He's coming himself. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice voice of the the archangel, archangel, and the trump of God, God. and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Hey! While we're while we're here rejoicing and shouting right now. Right now, while we're shouting. All right. And a whisper that meant so much to you could be coming out right now. Right now, while we're here. Hey, 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 with a new body. Woo! With a new body going to meet the lover of his soul. But you know what? It won't be very many seconds before they're out of the ground. So while we're here, you talk about a healing service. Goodbye, tuberculosis. Goodbye, cancer. Goodbye, sugar diabetes. Goodbye, arthritis. Goodbye, pain. Goodbye, sorrow. Goodbye, sickness. Goodbye, trials. Goodbye, test. Goodbye, sorrow. Goodbye, agony. Goodbye. Then we which are alive and remain. Here's a secret. You not only got to be alive, you got to hang in there. All right. Ain't no time to quit. That's what Brother Davis was preaching about last night. I plan on remaining. I'm going to remain with a message. I'm going to remain with a doctrine. I'm gonna re- I don't care what some apostate does. I don't care what some Pentecostal liberal going charismatic is going to do. I'm going to stay with the church. Oh, yeah. There's a hope for those that stay with the church. Stay with the church. Stay with the faith. Stay with the hope. Yes. Stay with the message. Shall be caught up. We shall be called up together with them. In the clouds. The same Jesus. Mm. Woo! Himself is coming. And he went up into a cloud and he's coming back into a cloud. To meet the Lord in the air. To meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. We're ever going to be with the Lord. Wherefore comfort one another with these words. You may be seated. I think part of the assault today is the devil's trying to take that comfort away from us. You get them old songs we used to sing. You know why you're having all the trouble that you're having? This ain't heaven. We get blessed so much, we get thinking this is heaven. Then when the world starts turning upside down, well, why has this happened to me? Hey, baby, you ain't made it to heaven. This ain't heaven. And I believe in healing, and you can get healed today. The Lord can heal you of any disease today. But you're going to get sick with something else, and you're going to die if you live long enough. This ain't heaven. Your kids is going to disappoint me. Your light bill is going to go up. Your car is going to wear out. Your roof is going to leak. Your job's going to uh, run off to Mexico. Praise the Lord. This ain't heaven. Amen. The terrorists, even they're going to fly into our buildings. There's going to be suicide bombers. This ain't heaven. Even the Koreans are going to test nuclear weapons. This ain't heaven. But there is a heaven. This ain't heaven. But there is a heaven. And Jesus is coming to take his church to that celestial city. Well, the grass never withers. Oh, yeah. And the flower never fades. Yes, Woo. yes, 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm getting ready to close. I've just got. No, 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 no. Hallelujah. I want you to sit down because I want you to listen to these 12 questions. This is, these are 12 questions that I have for those. 
who believe the Lord has already come and uh, will not come again, that he came in 70 A.D. These are, my, these are 12 questions I have for them. Number one, since the Lord's Supper is to be observed till he comes, 1 Corinthians 11 and 26, why would an apostolic observe the Lord's Supper today since he's already come? Paul emphatically said, you eat this bread and drink this cup until he comes. Well, if he's come, then there's no use in eating the bread and drinking the cup. Number two, since Paul said spiritual gifts were to cease at his coming, 1 Corinthians 1 and 7, 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 12, then if are there spiritual gifts in the church today? And if so, why? Because if the perfect has already come, then we wouldn't be operating in the part. Right. But we're not in the perfect, we are in the part. So there would be no spiritual gifts today if the Lord has already come. Number three, since Paul said we are to judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, 1 Corinthians 4 and 5, can we render eternal judgment today? What? No. Now I know there are some folks think they can. And they'd done had you in hell if they could. But they don't have, they can't render eternal judgment today. Number four, since the fivefold ministry is for the perfecting or the completion of the saints, is there a need for the fivefold ministry today since everything has already been completed? Number five, the admonitions in 1 Thessalonians 5. Pray without ceasing, rejoice evermore, prove all things, in everything give thanks, abstain from all appearance of evil. They are to be done unto the coming of the Lord. Verse 23, are they binding on the church today? If the Lord's come, then we don't have to pray without ceasing. We don't have to rejoice evermore. We don't have to abstain from the appearance, from the appearance of evil because they were only to be conducive until the Lord comes. Verse 23. Number six. Since the command to assemble ourselves together is predicated on the phrase, as you see the day approaching, Hebrews 10.25, is it mandatory to assemble today since the day has already come and gone? These guys are going to preach yourself out of a job. Hallelujah. <laughs> this ain't good job security. You know what I mean? <laughs> Number seven. When was Zechariah 14, 1 through 9 fulfilled? Where he comes to destroy them that attacks Jerusalem. And his feet touches the Mount of Olives. In AD 70, the exact opposite took place. Jerusalem was destroyed and not saved. Number eight. Is Satan bound today? And if he is, who is doing his job? Said there's a fellow out in California years ago preached his name Paul Winters. They called it Kingdom Doctrine then, and, and he was preaching Satan was bound, and his church was at Lamont. And Brother Jimmy Davis's church at that time was at Weed Patch. And they said, Brother Davis used to have a famous saying. He said, well, devil may be bound down there in Lamont, but he shall always loose down here in Wheat Patch. Well, if the devil's bound today, I'm in a delusion, I'm going to tell you. Like to me, he's having his way. Number nine, if the Lord came in 70 A.D., what about all the passages that teach the wicked will be destroyed from the earth? Will the wicked always exist? just like they are today. Is there not going to be an end to the wicked? And there's, you know, passages throughout. I didn't write all them down. The passages that teach that Israel will return, be placed back into their homeland, never to be uprooted again. Amos 9, 13 through 15. Ezekiel 36, 8 through 15. Ezekiel 37, 21 through 28. Ezekiel 39, 21 through 29. And dozens of other passages. When were they fulfilled? At 70 A.D., the exact opposite happened. Number 11, has Revelation 21 and 4 been fulfilled? And God shall wipe all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. 
If that's happening in these fellers' churches, I'd like for them to take me to it. I'd like to see. But uh, truthfully, I, I, I had a, a discussion with a guy that was trying to tell me how this was fulfilled. And he was telling me, he said, well, what that means is that we ain't crying over the sin we committed when we was in the world. I said, well, that's interesting. He said, you just need a revelation of the cross. I said, well, I probably do. I can learn more about the cross. So I want to ask you a question. Have you ever sinned since you've been in the church? You kind of pause a little bit. Uh, everybody here may have been so holy that if you dropped an egg, it wouldn't break. I understand that. But I got the Holy Ghost when I was 11 years old. So what I was repenting from was writing on the bathroom walls. You know what I mean? <laughs> Sticking the gum underneath the pews. I mean, I needed saving like everybody else. But I ain't never smoked no cigarettes or drunk no hard liquor or chased no wild women. I couldn't have, I couldn't have caught them anyhow. Amen. <laughs> but I hate to admit it. But I have seen this side of the baptistry tank. And I've cried over it too. And if everybody's honest, you've sinned this side of the baptistry tank. And if you hadn't, you'd probably done been took out of here. Hallelujah. And I cried over it. So that, that, that can't mean that. That means just what it says. I'd hate for somebody to explain that away from me, that it's always going to be just like it is and ain't nothing ever going to change. Then number 12, and I, I'm, 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 I'm through. Is the lake of fire a literal place of punishment that will happen in the future? where death and hell are cast into it, or is it figuratively? And I predicted, I predicted and I predict today that the next thing that goes is hell. Next thing that's going is hell. I'm just going to stay with a little simple message that I heard from them old bald-headed preachers in Kentucky. Some of them had third and fourth grade education. They weren't the most literate people in the world. But they told us about a better day. It wasn't always going to stay like it is today. That Jesus is going to come back after me. Can you raise your hands and thank God for the promise of his coming? Glory to God.